Everybody, uh, I'm glad you joined in to uh, my very first podcast, for Combat Learjet. My name's Steve, and I'm uh, just I'm here with Derek from Mo Guns. He's the owner of Mo Guns uh, Tactical. Two of us are going to uh, work through this today. This will be a learning experience for me, and we'll just talk about some of the things we uh, we look forward to in the future. Anyway, we'll get started. I just first with Derek from Mo Guns. He, uh, him, and I have been friends a long time. He does a lot of the stuff for me, you've probably seen from my patches to stickers, T-shirts, all that stuff. He's a designer and all that. So uh, he came to me a while back and said, hey, I think we should do a podcast. You could answer some of the questions along with uh, talk about some of your experiences, how you got into flying and, and that. So those are, the, those are the things I want to answer. I get a lot of questions on Instagram, how, to, how I got into flying, what I've done. And as you guys know, I've, I've kept myself anonymous on there. I don't show pictures of myself or any of that, but... I do like to answer questions and help help folks with what they're doing. So, so that's kind of the purpose. Big picture in the future, I, I hope to uh, interview some other folks that are in in aviation. And and honestly, I want to talk about pilot to pilot. Contacted me probably a month back, and he's got. To, I encourage you all to go to his uh, Instagram site. He is he interviews a lot of pilots and uh, interviewed me, and it really uh, showed me wow, this is a great forum to kind of get the information out, answer questions about that. So that's that's kind of the purpose. That's kind of what we like to. So pilot training is a year long. It's challenging, just because you go from really not having much flying experience. I had about fifty hours of flight time when I got to pilot training. Um, to within a handful of rides, you're, you're soloing and flying a uh, two-engine jet. So uh, I enjoyed my time at pilot training. It was, it was uh, at the time I went through, everybody flew the T-37, and you fly that for about five months or so. And then if you graduate out of that program, you move on to the uh, supersonic trainer of the T-38. And just uh, a quick story with that one. Uh, I remember, I still remember this day, my, uh, my first flight in the 38, you're, uh, they put you up front, the instructor's in the back, and he's going to demo the takeoff. And just the speed of that airplane was so incredible. I remember thinking, I'm never going to get this. This is, this is a beyond my ability to fly. You know, over time, you pick it up, and it was a super fun airplane to fly. And ultimately, you get to fly formation and acrobats and all sorts of fun stuff in the, in the milita- military through that. So... That pilot training lasted a year. I graduated from pilot training. At the time I graduated from pilot training, about half the class were not receiving an airplane when they graduated. The Air Force was fat on pilots at the time. And so half the class had to go do a desk job for probably two or three years and then would get an airplane. So thankfully, uh, I was able to um, to get an airplane out of pilot training. And I uh, I, I chose number four. And I was able to get a KC-135, which I was thrilled to death to have one. So I went from pilot training to Castle Air Force Base, which is out in California. And that is where I began my KC-135 training. That, that, lasts about, that lasted about four months. Graduated from, from KC-135 training. And I, my first station was at Griffiths Air Force Base, which is in upstate New York. I was flying the the KC-135R model, which is the bigger engines. At the time, 
um, when I first started flying it, they had they still had the A A models, which were the the smaller engines that are uh, they actually inject water into the engines to produce thrust. It's a crazy thing, but you can look it up and see how that works. But anyway, I, I had the R model, was able to go up to uh, Griffiths, New York. Enjoyed my time up there. That was uh, really got up there at the time I got to Griffiths. The the Cold War was still uh, going on, and we were setting alert and I got to see how that alert mission worked, you know, with something went down in the world and, you know, we, we would literally be ready to go. We'd be sitting in a, in a building just outside and run out to the airplane, start engines and be ready to taxi and take off in, in just a few minutes. And we practiced that every week as we would do that. So it was great to, to get a chance to do that. The other thing that happened when I got up to Griffiths is that alert mission went away about, about the time, not long after I got up there, we started really deploying the KC-135 more around the world. You know, I was young and I, I was uh, looking forward to doing that. And we started uh, really taking the KC-135 all around the world to do a lot of the missions. This is back when a time when Bosnia and Somalia, this is uh, right after the first Gulf War, we were doing a lot of stuff with Northern Iraq, Southern Iraq. So I was uh, I was deployed a lot in the KC-135. I really enjoyed the mission. I enjoyed, you know, getting a chance to to see the world. And it was just fun, you know, knowing that you're a part of some of the stuff that was going on. Did you ever have any close calls when you were on alert at Griffiths? You know, we uh, there was a time that the there was a time that the Russians brought a sub in really close to the coast off New York. And they had us sitting in the cockpit with engines running just because of the reaction time. If the sub was to launch something, we didn't have enough time to get airborne and, you know, survive. So the whole intent was that the the KC-135 and the B, B-52s or what were up there with us would get airborne in, a, in some kind of nuclear conflict and they would survive to be able to go do their mission. So kind of a grim mission but it is what it is and that's what we did so uh, thankfully you never had to yeah thankfully exercise it. thankfully we never did that but uh, we prepared for it and we trained for it we did uh, we did close interval takeoffs everything that was going to be needed in that situation but uh, that was a unique thing so that was really the only thing that I saw when I was up at, at Griffiths I was up there a couple of years and then the uh, Air Force decided that uh, they were going to close. We've really been drawing down a lot of our bases since the 80s and the Air Force decided they were going to close Griffith. So I had to I had to go somewhere else. So I ended up going to Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane, Washington. I was uh, at Fairchild for four years. I left as a co-pilot uh, at Griffiths. And when I got to Fairchild, I upgraded to aircraft commander and then instructor pilot. Again, four years at Fairchild. Again, really at this point, a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I was I was gone a lot, flying different missions, all, everything from down in South America to a lot of stuff overseas. But again, enjoyed the mission, enjoyed what we, we were doing. Um, but I, uh, I realized that I was away from home a lot and I wanted to uh, not be gone as much. So at the end of my four-year tour there, uh, I made a decision to go to the schoolhouse, which is um, in Altus, Oklahoma. And that's where you're training other KC-135 folks how to fly the KC-135. So it's good and bad. The good, the good of, 
of the mission was you're, you're home every night. The bad is I worked, you have long hours and it was busy training a lot of the students going through there. So, but I learned a lot. You learn a lot when you go become a schoolhouse instructor. And I did that for a couple of years. Have any close calls with students in the aircraft? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there was a couple that, you know, it's just, it's just hard teaching somebody that doesn't know I was the same way when you first start flying it's hard to learn how to land this big airplane and over time you get uh, you get used to that and you you mitigate those risks but yeah there's always there's always uh, a few times that it, it gets your uh, blood pressure going when you go wow what just happened so we had uh, one one close call I was we were doing touch and goes in uh, I think it was in Amarillo the student was doing really good I was in the jump seat. There was another instructor. I was checking out an instructor. He had just got to the schoolhouse. So the new instructors had to get checked out. Anyway, the student was doing really well. Had done a couple of touch and goes and coming in on their last one. And I, it just, I don't know, picked up a sink rate. They initiated the go around, but it was right at the last second. And we hit pretty hard. And in the KC-135, the big engines, if you look at them, there's not a lot of room between the engine and the ground. In fact, if I remember, it was like four degrees of bank. If you had more than four degrees of bank when you touched down, you could drag an engine. And several guys had drug yeah. engines. So we touched down hard, went around. And as we're on the go around, one of the, an airplane sitting there waiting to take off said, I, I think that KC-135 just drug an engine. I'm like, oh, I couldn't. I was just sick. On ah, I hope we didn't hit an engine. So, we obviously canceled the training, and uh, we headed back to Altus. You know, all said and done, we didn't hit the engine, but we had to be very close. So, as soon as we landed, I raced down the uh, the crew ladder out to the engine, and thankfully there was no scrapes. But again, it's one of those uh, lessons in aviation that you just learn that uh, wow. Uh, not much it could have done. It was just, it just happened. So sometimes that's the way it is. So, so I finished, uh, I, that was about 11 years into my air force career, 10 years, I guess. And I decided, um, I decided that I, w I wanted to get out of the air force. And at the time I really wanted to go to the airlines. So I got out of the air force. I started looking for a job. I discovered the C the C 21 unit in Colorado Springs. I didn't, I'd never flown the C-21 before, so I didn't have any expectations of really being hired. They were looking for pilots, but they were looking for, uh, um, you know, experienced, current qualified evaluator, instructor, C-21 pilot. So anyway, I went ahead and applied. I didn't have anything to lose. And I guess they uh, figured they needed somebody that had some different experience and I was able, uh, I was able to be hired into that unit and I was hired into a full-time position. I've done that. I flew the C-21 for a long time. I flew the C-21 for 17 years. So, and as you know, you probably saw my Instagram page. I recently retired from the military. So that's kind of the military, my military career in a nutshell. That's how it all got started. And then, you know, obviously there's a lot of little pieces in that. As I said, at the beginning, one of the things that Instagram has, has been neat in a lot of things. It's opened the door for several people to uh, be able. In fact, I see somebody maybe in here right now. I'm able to talk to and kind of say, hey, this is how you get this is how you get into the military. This is maybe how you get into uh, pilot training. And, you know, I, that part's neat because I, I had a few people kind of help me along the way how to get in there. And I, I wanted to be able to return that to folks. And really, that's part of what this is, is 
I look forward to uh, helping people maybe that are interested in aviation find a way to, you know, to get into what they want to do. So, how would I'm sure you get asked that question a lot? How do you become a pilot? How do you become a military pilot? What do you tell them? Well, <clears throat> I would say, you know, there's a lot of paths in the military. I don't, I don't know the civilian side of flying so much, just because I didn't do that. But there's a lot of there's a few paths to become a, at least an air force pilot. And I'm not an expert on the Navy and the Marines uh, and how you become in that, but I can at least speak to the air force or the air national guard. Obviously you could go to the air force Academy. If you do well at the air force Academy, you could get selected for a pilot slot. And then you end up going to pilot training, which I talked about is about a year long. That's one of the ways you can also go through ROTC, which is offered at several colleges. And it's probably more competitive to get a pilot slot through that. But if you excel and do well in that, um, you can you can get a pilot slot through ROTC, and they'll send you to uh, they'll send you to uh, to pilot training. If if that doesn't happen, and let's say you already have your college degree, you can go through OTS, and then that is a third way to go to OTS, get a pilot slot, and then go on to pilot training. And probably the fourth and last way is that you go talk to guard units, guard or reserve units, and you will ultimately apply for a position in that unit. And if they have open pilot slots, you could be picked up and sent to pilot training and then come back to that guard unit. So there's there's plenty of, of routes to do it, but I would also say that they're competitive. And, you know, the, it's the standard things you've probably heard your whole life. You got to have good grades you know, doing well on the ACT or SAT. And I also recommend if you have, if you fly on your own, you're going out and maybe getting some flight hours, that shows you that you're interested in aviation. And a lot of times they look at, look at all that. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that is the route to get in there. All right. I'm, I'm going to answer a couple of questions in here. I see there's a couple popping up here. If you guys got some, uh, uh, John is asking, I'm here from Instagram, currently a pilot in training and plan to go in the Air Force. And these are great tips. Okay, so yeah, I appreciate it, John. You, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. Uh, the, the key there is, you know, uh, continue your flying and, you know, stay out of trouble and, all, you know, you can make all that kind of stuff happen for you. So, so yeah, there's, uh, there's, plenty, of, there's plenty of routes to, uh, you know, or pathways to get there. So is an aircraft assembly a good job? So I'm, I'm assuming you're asking about a maintenance. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I have, if you see on Instagram, I do a lot of shout outs to the folks on there, the maintainers and the people that take care of the airplanes is, is a great job. And those jobs are definitely out there in the air force. If you're interested in some, some of that, uh, the air force has a broad range of, of all those type of jobs. There's a good question. Would it be easier to get into helos or than jets? You know, I, I don't know that specifically. I know the Air Force definitely has the helos, but in, in that has changed over the years how they did it. When I went through, you would go through a portion of pilot training, and then if you decided you wanted a helicopter, then you would kind of leave pilot training and go to helicopter training. I'm not sure how they're doing that now, but I, I would say that it's not. It's probably more difficult. Uh, helos are, we have less of them, at least in the Air Force. Now, if you're looking at the Army, that's a whole nother different route, but uh, you're also, 
you know, it's a, it, it's just one of those routes that I don't know a ton about since I don't have any experience. So I would, I couldn't, I couldn't help you there, but I know the air force does have some helicopter pilots. So let's see here, an engineering student uh, going into aircraft design. So that's awesome. But would rather be flying. I, you know, I have to say, I'm, I'm we, I talk about this a lot and I hadn't really said I, I retired from the military and I'm, I don't really want to say what I do now. I just say that I'm a professional pilot and I'm continuing my flying. So flying is awesome. You know, I've been doing it for, I don't know how many years now, 28, 29 years, a lot. And I still love it. I still enjoy it. I still look forward to it. It's challenging. Um, It's new. It's uh, it's, it's a great job. I, I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. It is, it's a job that I've always loved. It's a job that it has tried me. I've had to work really hard at times. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through stuff, but it's uh, it's it's a very rewarding job. And I would encourage anybody that's got some interest. And where do you do that? How do you know if you want to do that? I would say go out and and get some lessons. You know, start with a lesson or two. See if you like it. I would encourage you if you do lessons to get beyond one or two because the first lesson or two. I remember my very first flight lesson. I just. I was disoriented. It's you, I was uh, mildly air sick. I didn't throw up, but I didn't feel great. And it's just distracting. And you're like, man, it's just not really that much fun. So I would encourage you to get through more than just a couple of those so that, uh, you know, you could actually see what it's like. And, you know, I would say in any airplane I've flown, when you first start flying it, it's challenging, it's difficult, and it's not necessarily a lot of fun. But as you begin to master the skill and know what you're doing, it gets better and better. So I got uh, I got to ask about air sickness. Um, a lot of people uh, struggle with air sickness, and even in, when I got to pilot training, I ha- we had a couple of folks that that got sick several flights in a row. They give you a lot of opportunities to overcome that, and typically the body does um, with some medicine. Sometimes you can get better at that. However, some people never really get beyond it. And if at, at least in the air force, if you don't get beyond it at a certain point, they end up, uh, you end up washing out because of that. But, uh, it is a, um, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. So I wouldn't worry too much about, I wouldn't worry too much about, uh, air sickness. Uh, let's see. Is there a height limit for fighters by uh, Luke? You know, there is, I don't know what that is. I can tell you, I just recently flew with a pilot who was an F-16 pilot, and he was 6'5". So he obviously was able to uh, meet the requirements, but there are some limitations. Uh, I know in the Learjet, you know, I'm a bigger guy, and there's bigger guys that I flew with, and unfortunately the Learjet has a, a tiny cockpit, and it gets uncomfortable at times. But uh, there, there's definitely some limitations. And I would say that too. I want to encourage some folks out there in the sense that at least on the military side, the military is very restrictive on physical things to get in. If you have any any amount of color blindness, you're not going to get in the military, most likely. Um, sometimes there's there's just physical things that that keep a lot of people out. But I'm, uh, you know, those are things that are out of your control. So I wouldn't necessarily uh, I wouldn't necessarily beat yourself up over that because sometimes and I again I was. I'm very grateful that I was able to get through that, you know, having the eyesight, all that kind of stuff are just some things you just don't have control of. So um, it's, it's difficult. 
What was my proudest and most fondest memory in the Air Force? And that's a good question. I, ha I had a lot of them. I, I kind of separate my Air Force career from my Air National Guard career. Um, I'd say my Air National Guard career, I met some of the best people in the world. They're, they will forever be some of my closest friends. Enjoyed flying with them. Pilot stuff is one of those guys. You know, I, I give him a hard time on there, but we are truly uh, good friends. And we've been through a lot together on uh, in the Learjet and just some other things. So uh, pilot stuff is one of the great guys. And hopefully I'll have him on here in the future. He which, can talk about it. Which is also why it's so funny occasionally in either yours or pilot stuff's uh, comments when people think you two hate each other. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I get a lot of DMs on uh, Instagram going, why do you hate pilot stuff? And uh, I, I don't really hate him. I just, that's my sense of humor. I, I like to have a good time on there. If you haven't noticed, I try to try to make it fun most of the time, but yes. So I have, I have great, I have, there's lots and lots of stories out there. Lots and lots of times where, you know, you just, you're doing some missions that are really cool. Some things, you know, I, I, I got a, I got a refuel to B2 when it was very early on, hardly anybody had seen it. We went down to Edwards and it was still at the very end of the test phase and coming online and just getting a chance to see that in the air for the first time. You're just, it's cool stuff. So yeah, I, I went places I'd have never had a chance to go. You know, I was, I'm from New Mexico and I would have never seen some of that other stuff. So uh, yeah, so I, I, a lot of great, uh, maybe we can talk about some of those. I'll think about that in, in future episodes, talk about that. Do I know anything about getting in the Coast Guard? I don't really. I What I can tell you, I think Coast Guard has some great locations where you can go fly. Yes. But, uh, and they have C-130s. They have some, you know, obviously a lot of helicopter stuff. The, the folks I've talked to in the Coast Guard have all seemed to really enjoy their job. And it looks like it's a great aviation job. But I, I honestly, uh, uh, since the Coast Guard is kind of, it's not officially, you know, in the Department of Defense. I don't know. Maybe they move that around, but I don't know a ton of, of the route to get into the Coast Guard, to be honest. So those are things I can look up and we can talk about in the future. Yeah. I mean, this is this would be a platform that obviously Instagram, you know, it's not really the platform that you're able to uh, to convey a lot of that. information. And I would say I, I just want to talk a second about Instagram because that's kind of what started this whole thing. You know, I started my Instagram page a couple of years ago. I'm about, I guess, maybe a little over two years. Mm -hmm. My whole intent with Instagram was to share some of my experiences. So when I first started my page, all I ever shared was just my own pictures. I never reposted anybody's stuff. I only posted what I what I had taken or had seen, you know, sunsets, sunrises, airplanes off my wing, all that kind of stuff. But over time, I just kind of got bored with like, how many times can I show a F-15 off my wing? You know, it's the same stuff over and over. So I started kind of looking out and realized there is this amazingly cool aviation world on Instagram. And so I started kind of reaching out and reposting some of that. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's stuff that I see. It's stuff that, you know, when I see it and go, wow, that's cool. I, I hadn't seen that. I, you know, then I'm going to post that. So I, it's been a great platform to kind of, share the whole aviation type thing. But what I wanted to say about that is once the growth took over and it, I got bigger, I don't see a ton of the DMs there. Uh, I just, just get too many. Just too many. I, I mean, if I could show you my DMs right now, it only goes to 99 and then it has a plus sign and it stays at 99 plus. I can't, I've tried to clean it, get down more than once, but uh, I guess what I'm saying 
to you guys is that don't think I'm a, you know, I'm too good to answer your stuff. I just can't get through it all. I have a life and I, you know, it's not all about going through DMs on there. So, so this is a forum. This is an excellent platform that to... I was hoping to kind of get some of that information out that, that maybe doesn't get answered in a DM, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot, a lot yeah. easier to go through than the hundreds of DMs you get. Yeah. Have I experienced a panic attack? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Uh, there's been times that, I, like I said, I've had, I've had some times where uh, you're short on gas, the weather's bad, um, your uh, your options are dwindling, and it gets your heart rate up. But a panic attack's probably uh, <laughs> a panic attack's probably not a good thing as a pilot. I mean, you that's one of the things that you want to be able to keep your calm as you as you go through this thing, because you have to be able to function and operate when things uh, necessarily, uh, you know, um, are going the way they should. Yeah. So that's, that's something I haven't uh, officially experienced. So any other last minute questions? I think uh, we're about to wrap this one up. We're about to wrap this one up. It's been um, an excellent introductory episode. There's one more question here, Joe, what airframes did you have? And uh, Joe, I appreciate it. Joe's one of the, one of the guys that uh, we've talked on Instagram before. So what airframes did you have on your dream sheet aside from the 135? Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I looked at, I was looking at the heavies, uh, C fives. And at the time we didn't have the C 17, but, uh, I, I looked at, uh, several, you know, different airplanes, but it was, uh, the Lear, the C 21 was actually at, right at the very top of my, uh, um, of my, uh, wish list, but at the, on my drop, there was, there was no leers in there. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I know some guys want to fly fighters. I was not really that guy. So, uh, um, it's, uh, you know, it's different for each one. So I just want a couple more questions. <laughs> Are you a Kim Trail pilot, Mike Wagner? Yes. We're, Mike, we're going to, I'm going to have <laughs> you on here one of these days and we're going to talk about Kim trails. So uh, I will, I definitely want in the future to talk about how the whole Kim trail thing came about. So, it's a, it's, that, that's it's a whole funny. episode on its own. Yeah, it is. So I would say there's one last one. I currently fly King airs and C nineties. Uh, you know, it sounds like you're doing the right thing. If, if you're, uh, if you're wanting to get into the military, the age thing is the one thing I didn't talk about. I think the current age to be in pilot training and Joe, you might be able to uh, help me on this. I think it's 31. Um, if that's the case, you know, for some people, the, t- the clock is ticking. So if you decide you want to get in the military, you need to, uh, um, you need to be able to, you know, get in there before you turn 31. So yeah, I see a boom operator comment on there. I just want to 29 and a half. There you go. Thanks, Joe. Um, I just want to say I had some amazing boom operators, uh, over the years, you know, the, the 135 is a unique crew. So you have a pilot at the time I started at a pilot, co-pilot navigator, which are all officers, and then you have an enlisted boom operator, but just an amazing crew. We had we had some great times back in the early days. We were hard crew together, and uh, I've I've got some stories I could share on another one. But uh, yeah, I love the boom operators. They were always uh, great to me. My very first boom operator was a senior master sergeant, and I was a second lieutenant, and he taught me a whole bunch about the Air Force and how life works. And uh, uh, I still remember him, Steve Ingram. So Steve Ingram. Uh, yep. Great guy, and uh, I enjoyed flying with him a ton. So awesome! Well, on that question, I think yeah. we're gonna have to wrap up this first. That sounds one. great. Hey, I appreciate you guys joining in. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We had a blast. Be sure to check out moguns.com. 
Yeah. Uh, that's where we have all the combat Learjet merchandise. We have shirts, stickers, patches, and we have some more patches and shirts coming out in the future. Thank you guys for joining in. Uh, and we will talk to you next time. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll try to do these uh, once a week. So yeah. we'll be back with you on uh, episode two soon. So thanks, right. guys. Appreciate it.